This is episode 23 with L. Russ on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Did you know that more than an estimated 20 million Americans have some form of thyroid disease? And up to 60% of those with thyroid disease are unaware of their condition. That's just crazy. And not only that, but women are five to eight times more likely to develop thyroid problems than men. And one in eight women will develop some form of thyroid disorder during her lifetime. Again, that's just madness. This is just another clear example of an evolutionary mismatch disease. And the problem with trying to heal yourself and your thyroid is that most of the information will have you running in circles, including the misinformation from one of the people you're supposed to trust the most, your doctor. And that's why I'm excited to have L. Russ, author of The Paleo Thyroid Solution, stop feeling fat, foggy, and fatigued at the hands of uninformed doctors on today's episode of Ancestral Health Radio. Ellen and I discuss how you, the audience, can reclaim your health through a simple, although not easy, ancestral approach to optimizing your metabolism. In today's episode, you'll learn the six basic blood panels L recommends everyone get tested for. Elle explains how your body uses both T4 and T3 hormones and how to optimize them both, why Elle says endocrinologists are the worst people to see for your thyroid, and much, much more. Elle Russ is a writer, health and life coach, and host of the Primal Blueprint podcast. She's becoming the leading voice of thyroid health in the burgeoning evolutionary health movement, also referred to as paleo, primal, or of course, ancestral health. Elle has a BA in philosophy from the University of California at Santa Cruz and is a certified primal health coach. She sits on the advisory board of the Primal Health Coach Program created by Mark Sisson, best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint. Originally from downtown Chicago, Elle lives and plays in Malibu, California. Welcome, Elle, and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Ancestral Health Radio. I'm excited to be here. I love the title of your show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure. Um, well, you know, let's uh, let's start off with who you are and what led you to writing the Paleothyroid Solution. Hmm. Um, well, I am someone who was uh, pursuing, you know, creative endeavors in the entertainment industry. I'm a writer, obviously, and um, not just books, but TV and film and comedy and all that stuff. So as I was pursuing all of that in this world here in Los Angeles and the entertainment industry, I um, was certainly trying to reach a level of fitness and a look for the roles that I was auditioning for, mm -hmm. such as the leading lady. And you know, you have to train like an athlete. So I did. And I was following all of the old paradigms that um, everyone at the time thought was the way to go, which is the whole keep your insulin steady, the zone, eat every two, three hours, mm -hmm. you know, three meals, two snacks. And I followed that paradigm, and what happened was is it was a disaster. I 
uh, not only suffered greatly because I didn't realize at the time how glucose dependent I was and, you know, that I was such a sugar burner because no one knew even this back in 2000. You know what I mean? No yeah, one was no, really no, talking no. about it. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. The only thing out there that was even in this paradigm was Atkins, you know, and um, that that just seemed so weird then, <laughs> you know, and, and off anyway. And uh, so what happened was is I started to – I was really you know, fit, trim, everything that you'd want to be. However, still suffering in terms of eating disorders like, you know, dying every two, three hours, having, you know, sugar slumps, hypoglycemia, oh, you yeah. know, real, really struggling with food obsessions and, 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 and thinking about food all the time. But I just thought, well, but I have the body I have, so therefore, if this is what got me there, then I guess that's the way to go, and maybe everyone else is suffering out there too, and they're just not admitting it. You know, I just didn't know. I thought it was me. I was like, do other people have these issues, and they're thinking about food all the time, or are they just okay with it, and why is this a problem? And I literally thought that I would just struggle with that my whole life, and I didn't realize. So what really happened that that did it for me, though, was I started to get really sick. I started to get my period every couple of weeks. I started to gain weight rapidly despite my workout exercise routine and um, eating paradigm. And I went from like 110 pounds to like 160. That's working out two hours a day and eating 800 calories. And I'm 5'2", so wow. not a good look. Um, and so that's that's really the start of it. I was I had given myself essentially hypothyroidism. Um through lifestyle, which is very possible. Now there's other people that get it in other ways or it's born in their families or it's autoimmune or it's, or it's unfixable. Um, and a lot of times it is fixable. Had I known when I know now, I would have, you know, followed what I wrote in my book and probably got out of it naturally. Um, but instead I went undiagnosed for two years, went through, you know, total through probably like 50 doctors and correspondence and meeting them in person and no one would help me. And so the reason I wrote the book is because twice in 10 years, I had to doctor myself back to health. Um, and and I had to get my own thyroid hormone, do it myself, get my blood work done. And it was a really scary place to be. It's a place hypo patients are often left because there are so many uninformed doctors following the old paradigm of thyroid medicine. So in the old paradigm of eating, it would be, oh my God, don't eat the fat off the steak. You'll get a heart attack. It'll clog your arteries. We know that's not true now. We know that that's true in the presence of a high carb diet. Sure. That would be the case because then your body is dealing with the glucose and can't run on fat. But in a low carb diet, absolutely not. In fact, you you want to do that. So the same thing goes with thyroid health. I, I, in my opinion, the majority of doctors out there are 100% uninformed on the borderline of malpractice with their thyroid patients. They are exercise. They are they are exhibiting you know philosophies from 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. They haven't looked into stuff since. They haven't gone above and beyond. And the doctors that are truly in the know are often the doctors that you have to pay out of pocket for and go really seek out that are going to spend an hour with you. So that's tough because the general standard of care, this situation is totally fixable. And it's quite easy in some senses to fix. There's some complicated components, but in general, it's probably one of the easier core diseases to like fix, yet most doctors don't even know how to do it, or they know one component. Like they know, I'll give this person thyroid hormone, but they do not know all of the other components that make that thyroid hormone metabolize properly and do its job. And so it's really ignorance and Uh, you know, uninformed doctors out there that are Mm -hmm. keeping people sick. And so, you know, I wrote this book because it was a book I was looking to find that wasn't written when I was sick and hating it. And (laughs) on the weight thing, 
you know, the majority of hypo patients do gain weight, some don't, but for the most part, that's the biggest problem because you've gone undiagnosed, you keep getting fatter, you have eating addictions now because you're not getting energy from thyroid, so your adrenals are overproducing. And, And all of this leads to just crazy food addictions. And then what happens is you not only get fat just because you're hypo, you get fat too because you've had these cravings, but then you've become insulin resistant. So then let's say you have to go on thyroid hormone and you fix the thyroid problem. People are still going, what do I do about this weight? Because they're still in the old paradigm of the eat every two, three hours or don't understand nutrition. And that's really what I wanted to bring the table here. It's like, yeah, here's the thing. The one last annoying thing on every hypothyroid patient's mind is, yeah, but when am I going to lose this weight? Now, it does take time. You You can't just take thyroid hormone and a week later expect to drop 10 pounds. But it, it does happen. It happens quickly, and you can make it happen faster. Um, the other part of my book is, hey, why don't you all prevent yourself from getting a thyroid problem like I would have done had I known better. So right. my book is offering, you know, and we can get into the actual thyroid again, but just as an intro, that's how I got into it. It was an accidental you know, fall into this, and I had helped patients for years, and then people were like, you should write a book on this. And I thought, yeah, but I don't know what 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 more could be said about it until I went paleo primal and it changed my entire life mm-hmm. and I reduced my medication in half and now for the first time in 13 years I'm actually completely off thyroid medication for the past 2 months which is oh my something gosh. Which, yeah which Congratulations. is Congratulations. Thank you. I haven't really mentioned it to many people on podcasts and stuff yet because it is a new development um, but my thyroid is cal- cal- recalibrating outstandingly after 13 years of literally being wow. kind of comatose and it just sort of to show you, if you correct underlying situations over time, it's possible to not only get off thyroid hormone, it's possible to live a great life on thyroid hormone or never get on it in the first place and correct it naturally and nip it in the bud before you have problems. But for everyone out there listening, everyone listening to this podcast right now has a thyroid gland. And if you don't, it's been surgically removed or zapped with radioactive iodine. And this gland is the most important gland in the body. And if you care about fat burning and energy and life, then you want to make sure this gland is operating at its at its best. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's break that down for people. Let's talk about the thyroid gland and what exactly is its purpose? Well, you know, glands, all glands are organs, but glands and organs, you know, organ like a heart you know, has a function, right? It's pumping blood. Um, glands, you know, usually secrete hormones, you know, for mm-hmm. us. And so the thyroid is the master gland. It is at the base of the neck. It's like a butterfly-shaped gland. And it is literally life or death. So you cannot live without a thyroid gland at all. It would be one in a gajillion that someone would be randomly born with a birth defect without one. And if they were, they would die immediately or you'd have to give them thyroid hormones. So you cannot live without this gland at all. And if you cannot live without this gland, what will life be like if it's suboptimal? You, you know, you'll die without the gland pretty quickly, but you will die a slow, crappy, subpar life, death. You know what I mean? You will continually just deteriorate, age rapidly, which is what happened to me. It feels like you're slowly dying. And anyone out there who suffered from severe hypothyroidism understand what that feels like. You feel like you're getting old and dumb and aging quickly and it's just you are and that's really what's happening you it's accelerated aging you're falling apart you're getting diseases you otherwise wouldn't have been diagnosed with so the thyroid's the master gland and what it's primarily responsible for is basically metabolism so all of energy being created in the body it's responsible for our body temperature and regulating our temperature Mm -hmm. it's responsible for the regulation and production of all sex hormones 
So if someone has issues with low testosterone or something else regarding female hormones, go get your thyroid tested. It's the master gland. Usually when you fix that, the hormone stuff gets fixed too. So I'll explain how it works. So what happens is, is you're at the base of your brain, your pituitary gland will sense if your blood is low in thyroid hormones. And when it does, its job is to send a signal to the thyroid to say, hi, wake up, produce more thyroid hormones, because I sense that there aren't that many, you know, we're running low. Mm-hmm. Then the thyroid's job is they go, okay, great. They get the signal, um, and it's, it pumps out, um, kind of almost in these exact ratios. We're really going to focus on only, t- there's only two thy- thyroid hormones to really even talk about here. And so what happens is the thyroid gland pumps out about 80% of a thyroid hormone called T4, and about 20% of a thyroid hormone called T3. Now, throughout the day, about 50% of the T4 that is pumped out will convert into the T3. Here's how it works. T4 is a slow-release pro-hormone mechanism. And it's really smart because T3 is so powerful. T3 is like putting gasoline on a fire. Okay, It is metabolism. It is the only biologically active thyroid hormone, hands down. In fact, you cannot live without T3. You can live without T4. I lived without T4 for four years. Mm -hmm. I was on T3 only. It's not, quote, necessary. However, it is important because T3 is so powerful and so energy producing in every way that T4 is kind of the way in which your body slowly doses you with it. It's like the steady stream that will convert as ne- as you need more T3, it will convert into it. Oh, and whatever okay. and whatever T4 is unused and not converted into the biologically active hormone T3 will get flushed out through a process called reverse T3, meaning it converts into the inactive form and then it's out your body. Now, we have this process and it's really elegant and it's optimal to have it operate this way, meaning if you do thyroid hormone replacement, the most optimal choice is usually a T4, T3 combo that would mimic this, this endocrine system. Mm-hmm. Um, the reverse T3 thing, which is a problem on the rise, and reverse T3 hypothyroidism is a condition whereby whether your own thyroid hormones or ones that you're taking, the T4 is not converting into the biologically active hormone. Gotcha. It's having an issue converting. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's really important to understand how thyroid hormones are metabolized. Because, again, you can pummel anybody with thyroid hormones, uh, but they will not get better um, if other things are not in place to receive and accept that into the cells. Right. And there's a lot of things that have to do with that. It could be selenium, vitamin D, you know, uh, blood sugar, cortisol. There's lots of issues. Of course, I talk all about that in my book. So... The reason we have reverse T3, and this is an important thing, and this is a problem that's on the rise, and likely because of our stressful society and modern you know, day, just inundation where people aren't adapting and maybe taking the time to chill out, oh, and there's stress. Yeah. Because what happens is, is the reverse T3 is there to protect you. For example, let's say you just got into a crazy car accident mm-hmm. and, and your, you know, your legs broke, look, it's a disaster. You know, I'm knocking on wood, oh, that doesn't happen to you, but... Um, And you're a mess. Now you've got inflammation everywhere. The body is so focused on, oh my gosh, this person is in danger. They, right? They have this Mm -hmm. whole, oh my gosh, we just happened. They're in shock. Everything. In that case, in those scenarios, your your brain, your thyroid are going to work together and go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to slow it down. They're going to start converting the T4 into reverse T3 because it's kind of going, we don't want to make this person hypermetabolic right now. Hmm. 
We're going to dial it back a little bit. The same thing would happen in the case of a runner who's training for a marathon. Perhaps they're very skinny. Perhaps they're under eating calories or not eating enough fat and they're eating in an old paradigm and they're on the carb train. That person could get a reverse T3 problem naturally because their body is going, all right, this person's either starving Mm. and or running from a bear until they're out of of danger, until they're out of danger, either threat of life danger or out of starvation danger. We're not giving her or him any more T3. We're going to take this T4, convert it into the inactive kind because A, they shouldn't have a baby right now. And so we're not going to make them horny. We're going to lower the sex drive. We're going to make it enable for her to become pregnant. Therefore, fertility and infertility and miscarriages are classic among people with hypothyroid patients and um, with hypothyroidism. And so all of this is really the ancestral primal perspective of your body trying to save your life. Right. So a chronic state of stress is what it sounds like. I'm just curious about what it's doing to your adrenal glands. Well, there you go. So let's say, let's say someone is a chronic state of of stress and uh, they're their thyroid is just getting screwed up for whatever reason. Maybe they're running for the marathon and they're, you know, under eating or they're just stressed to the gills. A combination then, of all, yeah. Right. Then in that case, what happens is your adrenals usually, and that's a part of it, when you're hyper-stressed, obviously you're in fight or flight and your adrenals are kind of overproducing cortisol when it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Now, that could be an antagonistic uh, situation for testosterone, for thyroid, for blood sugar, right? Cortisol raises, now your blood sugar, now everything's like, wait a minute, you know, this is a threat. Or if your blood sugar raises and you've got blood sugar issues, right, the cortisol comes to respond. So you're kind of overtapping it. If you're seriously hypothyroid, you're not getting energy from thyroid hormones. So your body's like, I, this person needs to get up and move. Like we need to, we need to eat. We need to, so then you're kind of getting all the energy from cortisol and it's a disaster because you're really fat around your middle. It really impedes thyroid. So most people with hypothyroidism have adrenal fatigue to some degree, Mm -hmm. to some level adrenals are off. Now, could you in a person with otherwise no seemingly history of hypothyroidism, could you fix adrenals first to solve the thyroid? Absolutely. You can do chicken, you know, chicken egg, we don't know, right? right but you can right. try one or the other. You could try both together. You would optimize, you know, underlying things for thyroid while you were maybe reducing stress and managing your adrenals. I know plenty of people who have reverse T3 issues who um, and currently right now, even though I'm off thyroid hormone, everything in my labs look normal, except I still have a slightly reverse T3 problem. And so there's things that could affect that. Like right now, I'm just doing one last test, a heavy metals test, because that's one thing I haven't done. But I have taken all of the tests and attacked and fixed all of the underlying issues that could affect any kind of problem. Very, so now I'm very just important. checking the last one. Yeah. So... Conversion issues can happen from lifestyle. They can happen from drugs. You could have Lyme disease and have a reverse T3 problem, you know, a chronic infection. So all of these things are absolutely – and you're like, okay, well, how do I know? You can do some testing, but if you're living the right lifestyle and optimizing the right nutrients, you can kind of get there probably without crazy in-depth testing. Mm-hmm. If you've been suffering for a while and you've been undiagnosed and, you know, it's been years, there's a lot of people who have been suffering for 10 years – in that case, those people are a candidate to get lots of things tested because lots of things could have gone wrong in those years that no amount of ancestral lifestyle can fix. You know, and that happened to me too. Uh, I had excess fibrinogen in my body. There were some other components that 
you know, I had high homocysteine, there was some other underlying inflammation that happens in this disease state that even though it was corrected through thyroid hormone, there were other things lingering. So if someone's been suffering for a while, it's worthwhile a, a trip to the functional doctor and really getting major work panel done, right? Oh, overhaul, like real deal, not just CBC. If somebody Something wanted to do that, enough, fix it quickly. So if somebody wanted to do that, is there a place or a recommendation that you would give to somebody that wanted to get a full panel like that done? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would absolutely look into anti-aging MDs, functional medicine MDs, integrative MDs, um, anyone who's really gone above and beyond. And on my book, I have a primal functional doctor, um, integrative physician named Dr. Gary E. Forsman. And anyone can go to his website called middlepathmedicine.com and take a look at his credentials and, you know, try to look and match that to kind of what you're looking for out there. Um, A4M is the website, I believe, for the um, anti-aging doctors. So yeah, you're going to really want to research functional medicine MDs. And those are the guys that usually, or, or DO, they're usually the people that understand what to get tested and mm -hmm. what to look for. How do traditional doctors typically treat hypothyroidism? Um, well, here's the thing to look out for. So as I described to you what happens with the thyroid, mm -hmm. here's been the problem. <clears throat> if anyone listening here is on Synthroid, which is T4 only, um, or has been treated by an endocrinologist, likely all of their blood work will test TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, not a thyroid hormone. It's just the signal I talked about that's sent from the pituitary to oh, okay. say, hey, wake mm -hmm. up. Okay, so people think that's a thyroid hormone. It's not. It also is a 1973 test that is no longer used on its own okay. to assess thyroid health, and it is absolute malpractice if any doctor tests you for the TSH and judges your thyroid on that. They are an idiot. They are an uninformed. You run. You run. The other, <laughs> okay. The other time you run is when they're only testing TSH and T4 or free T4. Again, you run because T3 is the biologically active hormone. It is the only thing that matters. Doesn't You can give someone all the T4 you want. What if it's not converting, right? Right. See mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So they need to test the thing that matters. Most doctors don't. Most endocrinologists don't. Okay, so they test only the TSH and T4. They're not, and patients remain sick for years, keep coming back to their endocrinologist, but I'm sick, but I don't feel well, my brain hurts. They go, well, it's not your thyroid, it must be you. You must have an eating disorder, you need to work out more. This is classic. Well, because I'm, so, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. the only reason also why I'm wondering is because one of my very best friends, she had a thyroid issue and she she had to surgically remove her thyroid. So I was just wondering if she Maybe had she gotten didn't have better. To, we don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. They are removed um, inappropriately. And again, you know, look, everyone out there, if there's any doctor out there that wants to take an organ or a gland out of your body, go get five opinions. What are you doing? Don't Please. have somebody, right? Please. Don't let somebody, especially when it comes to female, like hysterectomies are overdone, used oh to be gosh. overdone. I'm sure thyroidectomies are overdone as well. So again, you know, anyone out there, you go get a hundred opinions before someone takes something Please. out of your body. I have talked to a lot of people who've called me and, and had unnecessary surgeries. Do you know how that, and that's horrible to know that, you know, 10, 20 years ago, someone removed your entire insides and never needed to. Mm -hmm. There are women out there who probably could have had children and can't now because of that. So I know, it's, it is terrible. Go get, you know, you, the big, you know, if you, you read my book, the biggest theme is step up, get in there. Be, 
challenge your doctor, understand your doctor, do your own research. You cannot yeah. rely on someone. And, to and I feel if you're listening to a podcast like mine or else, you're definitely questioning the authority. So um, <laughs> you're, you're definitely doing your own research and I applaud you for, for doing that. Um, Let me get back to just the basics. Please. But so a real standard panel. Okay. And again, mm-hmm. there's other referral things like vitamin B12 and vitamin D and ferritin, which is iron storage that often hypothyroid patients are low in. But as far as thyroid tests go, this is the basic for everyone out there. You want to get TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and you want to get two Hashimoto's antibodies test. One is called TPOAB, and the other one is called TGAB. That's TPO for thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and the other one is TGAB for thyroid globulin. The reason I say both is most doctors only test for one. You can be positive for one and not the other, or positive for both. It's important to rule that out as you're getting initially diagnosed as to whether you have Hashimoto's or not, because Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. It's different than just I'm hypothyroid for whatever reason. And that means you really do have to follow a different protocol in terms of diet. Like you really have to be strict with no grains because they do trigger the antibodies, particularly gluten. So a paleoprimal lifestyle is even more important for someone who's got Hashimoto's. And it's important to track the antibodies and to work on lowering them. And there's lots of ways to do that naturally and also through some supplementation. So it's important to eliminate that when you're first starting out getting tested. Like, do I have Hashimoto's or don't I? Mm-hmm. That That's just sort of one of the things. Those tests are going to get you a really good answer as to your thyroid function. And I have lab examples in my book and blood work results of normal people and people that are screwed up and before and after blood work. So if anyone needs to really learn, how do I look at this blood work? What am I looking for? Where in the range? What should the numbers be? That is all detailed in my book. So it's, it's really simple. It's just that doctors are only testing the things that don't matter. And they're using, you know, the, again, it's Outdated like a doctor knowledge. who said, stop eating steak because you're going to get a heart attack. And I would look <laughs> yeah. at that doctor and go, you are a moron. Pick up a book. Find me a new Seriously. doctor. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and if a doctor's not listening to, you, or they're discounting you, or you say, I really want these tests taken. And they go, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I take, you have to say, no, I need these exact, te- exact tests. Yeah, the taken. power is in your hands. Absolutely. And it's can be intimidating because people are like, oh, doctors, no, they're working for you. You stand up and you make it happen. I have had, unfortunately, lots of uncomfortable conversations with doctors. It's never pleasant. I've walked out of plenty of doctor's offices bawling my eyes out because mm-hmm. of a confrontation. It's not fun. And I'm not su- <laughs> suggesting people get up there and be confrontational. It's just stop working with the wrong doctors. Stand up for if your body. Yeah. I mean, think, think, think you, about it. Yeah, you know? think about it. You're the only person that knows really how you feel. I think it's your duty to really educate yourself to be able to explain or communicate that well and to take that into your own hands. I did a podcast with one of the success stories in my book. Her name is Kara Hahn, H-A-U-N, mm-hmm. on the Primal Blueprint podcast. And she was had two miscarriages, suffered for like 10 years, was a disaster, kept going to an endocrinologist who only tested her T4 and TSH, only gave her Synthroid. And by the way, that's another problem. So... <laughs> now that I told you how the thyroid works, uh-huh. okay, where it pumps out 80% T4, about 20% T3, but about 50% of that T4 is going to get converted, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem. So, back in the day, in the late 1800s, some genius English physician, all these hypothyroid people had goiters, meaning these big, huge, swollen thyroid glands, right. like big bulk grapefruits on their necks. And he extracted sheep thyroid gland and injected it into the humans, and it worked. And they were like, what? So thus was formed natural desiccated thyroid, which is 
been the standard issue for thyroid hormone treatment for over 100 years. Mm -hmm. Well, in the 1950s, you could not patent desiccated pig thyroid gland. So the insurance company, I mean, not the insurance company, the, the pharmaceutical companies came up with Synthroid. And then in that process, they put out a bunch of horrible propaganda about the natural desiccated thyroid classic. <laughs> and course. then all of the endocrinologists and all of the doctors in the world were told that this is the only thing. This is it. This is what you treat people with hypothyroidism with. Now, even though people on this you know, podcast maybe haven't read my book, don't understand totally what we're talking about, from what I've just said, you can understand that that's dumb because you know right now from what I've said that our bodies do not rely on conversion alone. Our bodies actually pump out direct T3, not all T4. So to just do T4 only as a medication is an endocrine mimicry to begin with. Number two, often people have problems with it down the road. Someone will be on Synthroid for a while, it'll work, then it won't work. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to that doctor that thinks that's the only thing, there are patients that have been told by doctors, uh, desiccated thyroid is for pigs, not humans. It's unstable. Uh, that My friend Kara, who I interviewed on um, the success story, mm -hmm. she kept going back to the doctor with depression with this. He kept saying, it's in your head. Uh, she's, she's very tall and skinny. She's like, I'm gaining weight. He's like, well, you know, maybe you have a, you know, you're eating too much. And she goes, I'm training oh, for a marathon. No. So he's also giving her almost like a complex going that's, back. <laughs> that's what happens. And anyone listening who's been on Synthroid or been to an endocrinologist and who's not doing well knows this. So then the doctor's telling you it might be all these other things and it's not. Or then you get depression. They give you Prozac. Then that you have bad cholesterol issues because your thyroid's, you're being mistreated. So then they give you statins. There goes it the spiral. It has nothing to yep. do with that. It's that they're being mis... I can't tell you how many people are mistreated that I talked to for years, 30 years. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's a disaster. But here's the other side of it, people. Now, one of those patients that I'm talking about who I've spoken to who've gone that way never asked and researched themselves. They believed whatever the doctor said to them until one day they said, this is not right. And they looked elsewhere or yeah. accidentally had It had to get as bad quickly. as it did, right? For most people, that's, that's right. what happens. It, and unfortunately, it's never a preventative. Up. Yeah, it's never a preventative for people. And if says, it's not your thyroid, do not believe them at all. Look at the test. Read my book. Get online, you know, and, and look into this. Do not trust any doctor. Don't. Yeah. I mean, I have a great doctor. I love him too, but I'm still going to exercise my gut and intuition or I'm going to look into something. If my doctor says, hey, take this thing, I'm not going to just take it even though I totally trust him explicitly. I'm still going to go look it up and go, all right, what is this? How do I feel about it? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. he's telling me to take 200 milligrams. I don't know. Do I, do I want to start out with 50? I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm still making my own decisions here. Yeah. And you I have think to you jump can buy this jump. desiccated thyroid also at a local, your local health food store, no, you, can't you? You can only get what is considered adrenal or thyroid cortex or, you know, uh, glandulars. Because okay. I remember we sold that when I, I used to work at this local health food store called Mother's Market in Southern California. They, we used to sell little bottles of this thyroid glandular. And I was always curious about that. Right. So that's okay. So now someone could try that as a first step. But the thing is, is that mm, I'm a little bit weary of the glandulars. Um, you know, it's not the same as desiccated thyroid. Mm -hmm. So desiccated thyroid is a prescription and, and you can get it without a prescription, but you don't can't get it like a CVS. And in each pill, is at a designated amount of T4 and a designated amount of T3 in the ratios we just talked about. Right. The 80-20, usually. Um, so glandulars are not that powerful at all. They will be a little piece maybe of that thyroid gland, but I'm not sure. It doesn't have the, you know, pharmacopoeia-like aspects to it that like regular uh, desiccated would. So it isn't the same thing. Okay. Um, 
But anyway, desiccated. So then, desiccated made a resurgence, you know, after that because all those people got put on synthroid and switched to synthroid in the fifties. Started to get really sick. They put them back on natural desiccated. People were like getting up out of wheelchairs, being like, "Woohoo, I feel great!" And it's <laughs> yeah. like, well, so um, there's that. So oftentimes people get nailed and think endocrinologists are the best people to see for thyroid. Actually, they are the worst people to see, and that's terrible because they are endocrinologists. Because they, yeah, they're the people you go to. For yeah, your it's like hormones. endocrine system. Yes. That, that's. And they are the worst and classically the most informed and have the worst egos. And I put plenty of examples in my book about personal run-ins with this. The doctor in my book, the Q&A in the back of my book is so valuable with Dr. Forsman. He tells you from a doctor's perspective why and how it could possibly be that these doctors are idiots, Mm -hmm. why they're not testing this (laughs) stuff, why they don't know better, why, how. And, you know, I grill him on this and his answers are amazing and really fascinating. And so it's- it's really important for everybody to learn about this and know that if you're turned away or some doctor's just like, yeah, yeah, I got this. I know what to do with you. Nah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a partnership here. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone dictate it. I've had I've been patronized by a doctor. I had a doctor laugh at me for requesting that I get a B12 test, and he laughed at me. He's like, "That's you don't need to get that test. That's a joke. And I said, I started crying. I was so emotional. I said, can you please – just test my B12. I've got a B, I've got a PPO. I'm asking you. Yeah, you that's like it? extremely upsetting. <laughs> I had a B12 deficiency, people. Horrible one, by the way. Okay? So I guess his laughing at me, this is the same doctor who told me my thyroid was fine for two years, kept giving me the birth control pill for the bleeding, kept mm. only testing my TSH. Oh, it's within range. And we all should know by now. And if not, here's the memo. Just because it's within range does not mean it's optimal, period, end of story. You could have testosterone within range and be a mess right. as a guy because it, it's at the bottom of the range, right? Mm-hmm. So so this is this is a classic, um, you know, if people don't know by now that standard Western doctors, if they don't see an H for high or an L for low next to a result, that then they don't do anything, you need to look further. You need to start reading your blood work, finding out what these values are seeing if they're optimal within the range. I was uh, severely anemic and that was missed because my iron storage level on a range of, let's say, a a zero to 150, mine was at like 30, which is really, really bad and very like heading towards severe problems. Mm -hmm. But because it was within range, that doctor way back when never tested it. Had I just gotten my iron up, I could have solved my thyroid problem then. Mm. Uh, You know what I mean? At one point I had a selenium deficiency. Mm -hmm. I could have done it. That doctor, I actually, that first doctor who, who did me way more harm um, than was already happening to me, years later, I saw him like at a drugstore and uh, I just, he didn't recognize me, but I saw him and I turned away immediately and I, I walked out and I started bawling crying <sighs> because I was like, that's the guy that fucking kept me sick, that put me through, like, he had led I just- you on this journey, essentially. Led yeah. me on a horrible, he was the catalyst. detrimental journey that anyone who was in their right mind, who knew what they were doing, would have caught it right then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how long do you want to suffer, people, right? Okay, so maybe they're not actually recognizing or even feeling some of these symptoms, but they know hearing hearing you right now that, okay, obviously we may want to optimize this master thyroid or this master gland yeah. that we have, right? So there's many ways that we can do this, but one of the best ways that you and I both know that we can optimize this is by living this primal lifestyle that you talk about. Right. Do you want to talk about primal blueprint for a second? Sure. I mean, you know, I work for Mark Sisson. He's my publisher as well. He's famous my for- digital mentors. Um, yeah, I mean, he's my mentor. I love him. We, you know, everyone at the company loves him. Mark is, uh, his work changed my life. Absolutely. Um, 
so he's a best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint. And, you know, essentially, and you know this, you can talk about it also on your level, ancestral, evolutionary, paleo, primal, they're all sort of synonymous. And The Primal Blueprint, really, the whole idea is, listen, we have a genetic blueprint that we were all born with as humans, right? We do not feed horse we don't we do not feed a horse a ribeye, right? Has anyone ever fed a horse a ribeye? I mean, look, you don't do that because that's not how they were designed, right? That's not their DNA genetic makeup. We also don't feed, you know, beef bourguignon to a cow, right? They eat grass. So we have our own genetic makeup and that dictates that we eat the flesh and the fat of animals. It also dictates that we prefer to have fat as our primary fuel versus glucose. And Huge for anyone out there, people right there. Right. And for anyone that doesn't understand that distinction, I always call like this. Most people in this world are dependent on glucose and their sugar burners. And the mm-hmm. reason, the way to find that out is ask yourself the question, could you go the next four, five, eight, maybe 24 hours without food and not have a mental, get pissed off, moody, sleepy, brain not functioning? Most people who, I mean, not, maybe not your audience, but most people in this world would be like, oh my God, no. Well, right now, I just, you know, it's morning here. I, I could go the whole entire day right now without eating anything and I'd go work out, do it and I'd be fine. And feel because great. I'm fat. Yeah, not even feel feel fine, but feel amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, so it's a sense of freedom. I'm fat adapted, which me, and also getting fat adapted will zap every food addiction anyone has ever had. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing for me because as I mentioned earlier, I thought about food all the time. I thought there was a problem with me. Unbeknownst to me, I was giving myself that mental food addiction because I was a sugar burner. When you switch that around and you really transition into it, that's the biggest success stories we have on Mark's Daily Apple yep. and the Primal Blueprint. People who are like, yeah, I lost 100 pounds, but you know, F that. The best part is that I'm not obsessed with food anymore. I don't yeah. even think about it. I can't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. That is really the most amazing thing about this whole damn thing. And yeah. I like explaining know? to people that, you know what, it's like going from black and white television to color. Once you go color, yeah. you can never go back. It's impossible. Yeah. Or it's like flying private and then having to go back to the airport at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is terrible. Um, no, I mean, it really is. So here's why, though. It's not just because you're eliminating all of the crap that's inflammatory and all of the unhealthy foods. Clearly, anyone can look at an ancestral food list and go, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is pretty clean. So no wonder. Or, yeah, I should eat clean. But it's not about that solely. And this is, you might probably run into this a lot. The misconceptions of paleo primal is that it is just eating from a food list. Number one, that's a misconception because it's not. It's about really switching over to being a fat burner. And that is not just eating from a food list. You can stay a sugar burner from eating from a paleo food list, from eating too many potatoes, fruit, sugar, carbs, whatever. There's still carbs and vegetables and fruit in that list. So that's one mistake I see all the time where they're like, I'm not, it's not working or or I'm struggling. And you're like, "Ah, you didn't do it right. You're just eating from a list. So there's that, that is that. The second part to it, and this is really important, is the lifestyle component. It's the, it's the what Mark calls, you know, and really coined the term sort of chronic, or another guy too with him, chronic cardio, which is really exercising or operating at over 75% of your max heart rate for extended periods of time. That would be someone who would go hit CrossFit every day, mm-hmm. you know, or who's really, again, 70, running every day, 75% of your heart rate. So for me at the time, like I was doing hot yoga five days a week thinking I'm going to sweat, I'm killing it. This clearly is going to burn the hell out of fat off my body, <laughs> but it does the opposite. Yeah. 
We know that. It's the opposite. It's a cortisol inducer. It actually will make you fatter. It'll backfire. And you'll be sore and you'll be hungry afterwards. So the reason is, and you know this as well, is we can only store a certain amount of glucose in all of our organs. Uh, I think it's like, what, 200 grams maybe total or two, 300. So if you go do all these sugar-burning workouts where you're constantly exhausting your glucose reserves, then you're going to have to constantly replenish them, and there you are back on the hamster wheel of being a sugar burner. So when you dial it back and you stay within 75% of your max, or really I just kind of do 180 minus my age and kind of don't go too much above that aerobic max, which is a film aphetone um, uh, kind of calculation, then you're really in the fat burning zone. You're burning fat. You're not burning glucose, you know, and so it's a lifestyle thing. So usually people might have the diet down, there's still something still off, and then you find out they're running 40 miles a week. It's like put on your heart rate monitor. Maybe you need to run slower. You need to just dial it back, mm-hmm. or you need to stop what you're doing. I talk to plenty of people who do hot yoga four days a week and um, are doing all this high intensity. It's going to backfire, though, and it can keep you on a sugar-burning train. So short of being a CrossFit athlete or like a true serious athlete where you would have to adjust the paleo primal paradigm for that particular output. Mm-hmm. Most people in this world and everyone listening and anyone who's listening who has friends or family members that are overweight and almost everyone who's got eating issues eats over 150 carbs a day. Who's no, got easily. eating issues or extra fat under 150 carbs a day, total carbs for most people, unless you are a bricklayer or you are a professional athlete. Not you go running twice a day. Like you gotta be a professional athlete. Like it's gotta be more than that. It can't be just two hours of exercise, right? That people think they're athletic, like with that. And yeah. that is, that's great output, but it's not being an athlete. Now, if you're a woman, you're talking about even lower. So I'm five two. I can't handle 150 carbs a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe on one day, you know, I mean, maybe you know, occasionally do a little carb blowout, but for the most part, I can't handle that. So if you're a woman and you're a small woman like me, 5'2", you're looking at like starting off and kind of looking at between under 100, you know, 80 carbs a day and seeing what happened there. Our ancestors didn't eat more than 80 carbs a day usually. Right. Period. And they, they weren't even eating very much protein too. I want people to understand. A lot, of, a lot of times they hear that the paleo diet is this protein laden diet, you know, and really that's the opposite. When people see me eat, they just see a lot of grain. You know, that's really what it comes down to. They see a lot of green and they don't really necessarily see a lot of the fat too, which is really the primary part of my meals. But I like to think of it as an egg. I tell everybody that, you know, an egg is the perfect sustainer of life, right? So what are the macronutrients of an egg? It's high in fat, moderate in protein and low in carbohydrates. So I try to tend to tailor my meals around that idea. Yeah, it's just really important that people understand that uh, it's not about protein consumption. It's more about this paradigm shift that we're talking about and understanding that it's more about this fat. And what's the benefit of eating high fat, by the way? Well, aside from satiety, you're going to feel full quickly. You know what I mean? So it, it really just zaps that right there. So if anyone's hungry or having an issue, a little bit of fat will just zap that. So it's it keeps the highest you, in calories. Absolutely. Right. I guess it really says you, but also too, you know, all of our cells are bathed in cholesterol. <laughs> uh, fi, you know, breast milk is 50% saturated fat, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't tell you something. Come on. Even nature is like, Hey, our brain is 70% diet. fat people. It's why a lot of people who are vegan and vegetarians for many years don't get their period for like 20 years because there wasn't enough cholesterol and fat to help produce those hormones. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until they started eating actually more fat. I like that you said this about um, – I really like that you said that about protein. I've made every mistake on planet Earth with regards to the paleo primal diet. Every mistake because it's so individual no matter how much you're trained, coached, no matter how many books you read, it's an individual thing you have to tap into. Mm-hmm. So – 
what my brother can eat in terms of fat or calories is going to be different than me. And it's a tinkering that you figured out. I overate protein for the first part of it. I did not. Oh, yeah. Easily. And so for women, so for example, people are like, well, how much is what? You know, I used to really eat a lot of protein. I ate about 120 grams of protein a day. That is something that Mark Sisson might eat because he's ripped and he's a guy and he's like 5'11". <laughs> I'm 5'2", you know, and so that was a tough thing because the amount of protein I thought or was used to eating, it had to be adjusted and that was a mental thing too, but mm. now I can't overeat protein. You just have I to go either. there. I can't, like, I used to be able to put away, like, a 32-ounce steak. Like, I could just overeat and stuff myself with meat, and I can't do that now. I can't do that either anymore. And when I first had to dial back, it seems like, no, but I don't want to eat less protein. No, I don't take it away. Yeah. You know, but, but then you realize, actually, I feel better, and this is enough. And I, well, it was too much before. What people don't realize is that overeating protein turns into glucose through a process called Bingo. gluconeogenesis. So everyone needs to know that... If you're somehow feeling like I'm doing this, but I'm not a fat burner yet, and what's happening, it's like, look at your protein. You may Are be you sabotaging yourself. Yeah, and if you're a big dude, that, you know, 100 grams might be right. But if you're a small woman like me, maybe only 40 to 60 a day might be right. And by the way, the nice thing about it being turns into glucose is that let's say on a day you really are craving and you need, you want to overeat protein, then you would just really reduce your carbs that day and try to factor in for the gluconeogenesis happening. And it kind of can be a slow release glucose mechanism for idea. you. It's the same. Um, CJ Hunt talks about it in, someone mentions it in his uh, documentary called The Perfect Human Diet, which is a, the best, docu a great it's documentary. a great documentary. Absolutely. I love that guy. And if anyone is free on Netflix, anyone who's interested in hearing about the science behind this, just go see The Perfect Human Diet or buy I'll the book. i that link up in the show notes for people. Yeah, it's a really good one. And in there, the guy talks about like back in the day, our ancestors, that would have made sense. You don't have any vegetation around, but all we have is animals and fat. They might have overeaten those animals and then therefore they got a little bit of a slow release glucose mechanism going on too. And mm -hmm. again, we don't need that much glucose. If you're a sugar burner, you need a lot of it. So... Um, and this goes to the whole, well, when I had the drop in blood sugar and then I ate the, 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 the cookie, I felt better. So therefore, that's what I do when, but I would say the fact that you got that low and needed to have that to bring you back up tells me you're a sugar burner and then wouldn't have happened if you were yeah, exa Exactly. So, also, too, here's another objection I get. Well, I'm hypoglycemic, so I could never do like intermittent fasting or, or paleoprimal. And I say, the reason you're hypoglycemic is because yeah. you're not primal. The only thing yeah. to cure hypoglycemia is going primal or mm -hmm. ancestral. It's the only way to do it. There's no other way to fix right. that. I, I'm totally with you. And you know what? Real quick, I, I, I like also Mark Hyman's work. And he has something that um, I like telling people too is that he likes the protein on the side. You know, it's kind of the protein is never the, the main course like it always has been on your traditional plate. You know what I mean? So it's it's, it's a, a good the reminder the even side. right now that we're talking. It's a good reminder even to me who mm -hmm. knows this stuff. Yeah, that yes, that is that is true. That being a lot less. I mean, you know, people understand this concept. It's called caloric efficiency. Mm -hmm. And as you go down this train, you become so much more calorically efficient that actually, even though you might be operating at a higher output, you need less intake of food overall. Something Mark talks about a lot. And for anyone listening that is a food addict or a sugar burner and still in that paradigm to hear people in the paleo primal community talk about, wow, I mean, I used to eat so much food and now it's amazing. Like I just, you know, don't even eat that much food. That's a terrifying feeling for someone who's a sugar addict. But I, I, I already want to eat more food than I'm eating. I don't want to eat less food. That's right. a scary thing when you're addicted. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's a scary thing. I've been through it. I get it. 
I'm here to tell you, it really is an amazing thing. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's extremely liberating. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely you, you, liberating. And there's so many benefits to it other than just your health too. I mean, it saves on your wallet when I you like start that you to said go it down this cheaper. path. It well, does. So here's the objection for most people. I like that you mentioned this because I want to highlight it because people are like, "But it's so expensive." No, it's not. It's too pricey. Actually, it's really not. And in the as you go down the train and you kind of like get used to it and you're really you gotta, on the train. You gotta figure out months, your priorities. Yeah. Then it's cheaper actually because you are consuming less overall like you know what i mean at first maybe not like you know first couple of months you're gonna There's make some mistakes curve. you're gonna eat too many nuts you're gonna do stuff you know and you're gonna still be adjusting to the volume but then as you go down the road like you said like you said it actually is way cheaper in every way you're eating less meat now that now that steaks two servings instead of one mm-hmm. you know so right and and it actually is cheaper in my opinion down the road but people at first think it's so expensive because of course grass-fed pastured animals and eggs and things like that are a little bit pricier but in the long run it does become cheaper way cheaper so that's just not a a valid objection to me yeah and i mean it's cheaper in the long run altogether when you think about all the hospital bills that you're going to end up right. paying being a sugar burner so that's right so yeah it, it i mean there's again, i spent fifteen thousand dollars on my own money just trying to figure out this thyroid thing you with, you know getting no help from anybody wasting i wasted all of that money right so had i known what i know now Maybe I'd be fifteen thousand dollars uh, richer because I didn't have to go through that. Yeah, so but, I agree um, with you. You know what though? I you know I, I hate to say it, but I am so glad you went down that path so that you could be that example for others, that you so that you can shine your own light, so that you can lead the way in thyroid health. So I'm I'm very grateful of your work, Al. So uh, I'm, I'm and it makes me feel better about all the years I suffered. I go well. You know what? It 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 really feels even more worth it now. It feels like okay. I feel I can make peace with that because. Uh, I, you know, I lost about six, seven years of my life to this. Some people lose 10, 20, 30. And um, because, you know, because you're a mess, you're feeling horrible, you're inside, you're unsocial, you're overwhelmed by everything. You're just, you're a depressed disaster. We have more T3 receptors in our brain than anywhere else. So depression. And I want to just point this out. Anyone who's got a cholesterol issue and is prescribed a statin or anyone who's got depression and the doctor's thinking about putting you on a uh, antidepressant, get your thyroid checked. It is the number one reason, and oftentimes, if you correct the thyroid thing, first of all, depression will go away, but the cholesterol uh, profile will get better as well. Um, And if we think about it this way, hypo, slow, low, sludgy, low temperature, not enough energy being produced, of course that's happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it's all about optimizing those hormones. And while in the process of optimizing hormones, you're also healing your gut. And healing your gut is going to make you feel better, guys. You know, that's 90% of those neurotransmitters, or excuse me, 90% of the serotonin that was once thought that was produced in your brain is actually created in your gut and is transferred to your brain via the vagus nerve. So this science is still still evolving, pun intended. And, you know, we're we're still all learning this together. So let's take this this ride together and really, really come together as a community and pick each other up. This is important that we're sharing this knowledge. Again, L, I, I super appreciate it. Is there anything else that you'd like to, I know that we're coming up on time. Is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? Any parting words that, that you think are really important that we may have left out of the conversation? Well, I mean, everybody should really learn about this for their own health, but I would, I just want to impart everyone, you know, get your vitamin D optimized. It should be between 70 and 100 for people. Make sure your ferritin is between 50 and 100 if you're, if you're a woman, especially, um, B12, got 800, 
is a good is a good level. And and what everyone can do is take selenium every day. Take 200 micrograms of selenium. If you have good digestion, and you're a healthy person, you can just pop two Brazil nuts. If you're not mm. doing well and you're like, oh, I think I might have a problem, you're going to want to take um, se methyl L selenocysteine is the form, and um, you're going to want to take 200 micrograms a day because selenium is a key contributor, majorly responsible for the conversion of T4 to T3. So if you're on thyroid hormone and you're not taking selenium, you should start. And if you feel like you're having an issue, you should take it. And if you just want to optimize your thyroid and keep it healthy and keep things going in the right direction, particularly if you're feeling stressed out where the conversion then might get messed up or you know what I mean, then that's, that's good. It's always great to have selenium around. That's something everybody can do. It's a innocuous, non-conflicting sort of, you know, uh, mineral that, you know, that won't is really so affect deficient in our diet these days. Absolutely. It really is. Unless you're eating a ton of sardines and, you know, a ton of stuff. And um, oysters and, again, and it, all that good seafood that I always talk about. <laughs> right. But people aren't usually uh, fan of, I love sardines and stuff, but still, even then, so our soil is so depleted of it. And so I did actually take a vitamin mineral deficiency test once years ago and I did have a selenium deficiency. Mm -hmm. I started taking selenium. I kind of dropped the ball and then I got a reverse T3 problem. Now, looking back, you know, hey, so I, I, I didn't know. But, you know, now that I know, I'm telling everyone, here's how you can prevent these things from happening. Right. And selenium is a key for everybody. But really vitamin D and don't just be like, oh, well, I live in California and I get I get sun two hours a day. Do you know how many people here are deficient in D, including everyone I uh, people I know who play tennis in the sun for two hours a day? Right. Just how you get how much sun. sun exposure are you getting, and what time are you getting it at? And maybe you're so low, you need a supplement to get back up because no amount of the sun you're getting is doing the job. You know, and that oftentimes hypo patients too are very deficient in these things because your body can't hold on to these nutrients. So it's extra important if you are hypo and suffering and on your way to getting better or feel like I need to turn this around naturally because I got a thyroid problem. That's is, the time to start to supplement the stuff. Is there a good whole foods? Because I like telling people that if you can, I mean, it's not always sustainable also, but um, if you can get your hands on some salmon roe, oh my gosh. Oh, you're some talking oh, of my favorite the, thing in the world. It's so good, but it's so hard to get a hold of. But it's really, really jam-packed full of DHA and... If you look Some at my Instagram, this. I've got so many pictures of just ikura, which is salmon roe. Yes. Like it's my favorite uh -huh. thing in the world. It's very you look, it's like caviar. So if you don't like caviar out there, the consistency, I get it, for people can be gross. But if you do like caviar and you do like that kind of salty thing, you should go for it's it. So and good. the bears in Alaska, when they do the salmon run, it's interesting. It's their delicacy. Uh there's a movie called like um Icy Killers about salmon sharks in Alaska, and they show the bears at the side of the river. You know, at the time when salmon is abundant up there, they're just wasting salmon left and right because they've got just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of tons of it. So these bears, they'll take the salmon, put it on a stump, rip it open, eat the akura, the salmon roe, and then throw the rest of the salmon away. And they just keep doing Get that, like a here. delicacy, almost like taking how people would take an Oreo and eat the middle. Like that's what they, <laughs> that was their treat. And, you know, it makes total sense because when we look in the wild, like, the alpha of a pack would get the first choice of whatever their kill was, and they would go directly for the organ meats, right? Exactly, yeah. The, it I makes mean, the, sense with the salmon roe <laughs> to me, too, that that's what they're doing there as well. Yeah, the liver is the, the hunter's bounty, right? So uh, the, the hunter would always claim that as the most prized portion. So, yeah. They sell uh, salmon roe at Whole Foods in the fish section in jars. They sell the salmon caviar. Yeah. It may not be as good as if you go to a Japanese restaurant where it might taste a little bit better, but... If you can get some in, yeah. Um, 
I'm all I love I I also take fish oil and I yeah, I eat a lot liver? of fish. Do you take cod liver oil or just regular fish oil? Both. I take well right now I take primal omegas because I work for the company. Of we course. get <laughs> we of get course, fish oil yeah. for free. Uh, but I do. I love cod liver oil. I eat a lot of cod and fish. But if you don't eat a lot of fish, it's important to get it some other way in, mm-hmm. in a medicinal way. Or is there a better way of getting vitamin D? Because I, you know I haven't actually read up on it, but recently I thought I saw something that was saying that the conversion between the supplement form of vitamin D three and obviously the photosynthesis version that you get from the sun is not quite the same and the conversion rate is very low. Do, is there, have you heard anything about that? You know what, I haven't recently. Um, I do myself take vitamin D3 mm-hmm. and it definitely has made a difference when I've had to raise levels that has okay. worked, absolutely has worked. Um, I know that you know K2 is something to look into as well, even though it's regarding calcium. But I know that like K2 is something that people are kind of adding in or making sure that's in their their diet as well. Absolutely, um, that's related to all of this um, in, in bone health, etc. Yeah, and so K2 could, in whole food form you can get as like natto, you know, um, or mu oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just just mm-hmm. just throwing that out there if you guys want the whole food version of that as well too. Yeah, and you know, again, the whole food version of, of selenium would be a couple of Brazil nuts. But again, yeah. Brazil nuts are sometimes hard to find fresh, hard to keep fresh. Yeah. Are you absorbing them? Do you have good gut health? Do you have good digestion? That's not the time to take it in whole food form. If, for example, when you're hypothyroid, everything's slow, slow, slow. Temperature's mm-hmm. low. That's when mm-hmm. people are freezing. They're constipated, right? Everything's right. sluggish. So, therefore, you make less, produce less hydrochloric acid. You're breaking down less of the food, hence the constipation and the bad digestion, right? So, that spirals into you take some supplement in a natural form and it's not going to get broken down properly yeah, therefore the half-life that's on that when is it's not time gonna... to take selenium pills right mm-hmm. not the brazil nuts things right. like that okay that's and that's very important to note too well l thank you so much again you know this has been an amazing and very very informative episode i'm james the hairless ape broderick along with l russ of the primal blueprint podcast signing out from ancestral health radio and remember guys until next time take a walk on the wild side. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating and review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network, or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at AncestralHealthRadio.com. Yeah.